Um, it's very likely. <laughs> okay? The aim of this sermon is to make much of Jesus, to exalt him, to magnify him. The goal of this is that you would look to him, that you would see him as desirous, as most desirous, to stir up your affections for him, your emotions. Right? So I'll read from the Gospel of John, chapter 6, starting in um, verse 22. Um, on the following day, when the people who are standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there except the, the one which his disciples had entered, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. However, other boats came from Tiberias near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the people there um, therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the sign, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. Therefore they said to him, What sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. I'll stop there. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. What unique words. No one has ever spoken to you about themselves saying, I am the bread of life. Now people tend to think of themselves uh, more highly than they ought to. And um, that's true for all people. And it's especially true for a certain bunch of people throughout history who have gone, gone so far in their arrogance as to <laughs> declare themselves kings and emperors and, and demigods, that they come from some sort of divine lineage, and they lead people astray from the living God. They gather for themselves great influence, and they speak of themselves in the grandest language. Some of it just absurd. Kim Jong-il once boasted of nailing 11 holes in one in a single round of golf. That's pretty silly. And it might not have anything to do with us, but there's people in our culture today, influential and popular people, with crazier 
<laughs> things to say about themselves. Yeah. Like Kanye West, for example, says he's a god. <laughs> right? But even among those delusional crazies out there, which of them has ever said something like, I am the bread of life? Or claimed that without them, no one would go on living? Or in fact, that no one could ever live without them? I am the bread of life. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. But what does bread of life mean? How about this bread from heaven? What does that mean? And if Jesus is this bread, then what in the world does it mean to eat this bread? Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But many of you have come to him. And if you haven't already had dinner tonight, you're sitting there hungry right now, and you're going to go home tonight and make yourself a snack before bed, which you shouldn't do. (laughs) So what's that mean exactly? Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. What sort of truth is there in this statement? I am the bread of life. First of all, you should remember the context of those profound words. Just the day before, Jesus had taken the five loaves and two fish and giving thanks, broke them and handed them out to his disciples who dispersed them to 5,000 men and each of them ate as much as he wanted until they were all full and there were 12 baskets left over. Okay, so that was yesterday. Not your typical Tuesday. But your Lord Jesus is anything but typical. What he did was truly amazing. They saw it with their own eyes and held the bread in their own hands and ate it and were filled. And nonetheless, none of them could understand how it was that this happened or what it all meant. No one could explain it. And so, of course, they're looking for Jesus the next day, and they're looking for him to take him away and crown him as their king. That's the level of excitement he generated in them. But they don't understand the miracle, not at all, not in the slightest. And he tells them that. He tells them that because it's very important to Jesus that all, every single person who his father gave to him and trusted to him, that every single one of them understand the true meaning of who Jesus is and what he came to do. It's very important to him. And it's clear in the text that it's important to him. In his answer and explanation, he says three times, truly, truly, I say to you. He also says a couple times what true food is, what true drink is. So Jesus answers them saying, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. But what's the problem with that? They saw the miracle. They were amazed by it. They were impressed. They were very, very impressed. They were moved to action, to real concrete action. But the problem is, that all they saw in the miracle was the miracle. It's like receiving a gift and not recognizing the giver. It's like looking out over all the wonders of creation and denying 
the Creator. They couldn't see the forest through the trees. They saw the sign, but they couldn't see who the sign was pointing to and what it all meant. The miracle of the bread and fish is not at all about bread and fish. Bread is a sign of something greater. It's a metaphor. If you don't understand metaphor, you're going to have the hardest time understanding your Bible. It's full of metaphor. They bring truth to life. They're powerful and memorable. They make teaching tangible. Pastor Matt's sermon on Sunday was a prime example of that. If you haven't heard it, you must. Okay, years from now, it's going to be one of those sermons that you'll still vividly remember. It was biblical metaphor at its finest and delivered just right in the spirit of that metaphor. Building and building and expounding on what you intimately know and then bam, all of a sudden, it's something else. Something deeper. Something truer. Something richer. And your eyes are opened. That which the sign represents is far greater than the sign itself. It's much more real than the sign is. It's much more glorious and it's truer. In fact, bread as you know it, the bread you put peanut butter and jelly on to make a sandwich, that bread can't even be considered real bread in comparison to the true bread. I don't care if they call it wonder bread. This isn't an exaggeration just to prove a point. This is the profoundness of biblical metaphor. God has literally given you things that are so incredibly basic to your life that when all else fails, you know that these things are true. Things like night and day, light and darkness, drink and food, pain, pleasure, water, bread. God has created the world And he's created you in it, in this manner, in order to teach you the truth which lies even deeper than these fundamental things. Like night and day, food and water, fathers, husbands. The truths that these things point to are older and purer than anything in this material world. The bread you go out and buy at Safeway is ultimately just as much real bread as your shadow is your sin. Your shadow, although it is a real thing on its own, on a deeper level, it's just an image, something passing. You see it and it can teach you something about your sins, that they're a representation of who you are, that they're black as coal, that they follow you endlessly, that they come from you but extend further than your physical reach. That the only hope of escaping them is to be submerged in the light. But of course, your shadow isn't sin. It's a sign. And to strive to be freed from your shadow instead of longing to be freed from your sin, it's absurd. It's tragic. But that's exactly what these people were doing. That's what thousands in this city here tonight are doing. that God would use you to open their eyes. Jesus did the impossible. The people had no bread of their own. They were hungry, and he freely gave them the bread that they didn't have. Are you starting to see the meaning 
in those words? It's not about bread. He did the impossible. He created bread that didn't exist before, that they didn't possess, that they would have died without. And he offered it to them in amounts that were so large that even though there were thousands of them, they couldn't finish it. And what was their response to all of this? They asked him to give him that kind of bread always. They wanted him to be their king and always provide them with food to eat. They wanted what he could give them right now for this temporary life. They saw the ray of sunshine. They saw the light. They felt its warmth. But they didn't lift their eyes to the heavens and gaze upon that brilliant sun from where it came. They ate the bread. It tasted good. It filled their bellies. It satisfied their hunger. It gave them strength. And they thought, that's amazing. If only I could get some more of this bread tomorrow. That'd be great. Think of all the time we'd save kneading and baking bread. And they totally missed the point. The bread they ate was like, like a photograph. When someone takes your picture, that picture's your image. Um, the photograph all by itself isn't a fake, is it? It's you. Um, that's you there in the picture. And each of you has a driver's license. It has your photograph on it, and that's an official document. And if someone were to look at it, they could tell roughly how old you are, if you're a man or a woman, maybe where you come from. But they couldn't really use that photograph to learn who you are, could they? Not really. Not who you are as a person. Why? Because that photograph isn't you. Because on a deeper and truer level, the photograph is just a piece of paper. It's an image, a sign, a picture. In comparison to you, to the flesh and bones, to the spirit, your photo is just another piece of fake news. It bears a resemblance to the truth, but it's not the real deal. Well, these people ate the loaves of bread, but they didn't understand that it was just a sign of the true bread, which they also didn't have, which he supernaturally creates, which he came to give to hungry people and satisfy their souls forever. So the first question is, what is this bread? Bread is an image of what? What is he talking about? What is this bread? In the 26th verse, Jesus says that they're looking for him because they ate the bread that he gave them. Then in the next sentence, he says to them, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. And that's the answer. Bread represents food, all kinds of food. It's, it symbolizes sustenance, that which sustains, that without which you perish, you waste away. Bread represents food, and food is that which gives you life, or at least the strength to live. Labor for the food that gives life, he says. True, everlasting life. And all throughout the Bible, bread is used in this way. It represents life, or that which gives life to man. It's what allows him to live, what sustains his life. 
You only have to read a page or two before you get to this word of God to Adam. Right after he sinned, God says, By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you are taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. He's not saying that it's going to be difficult to eat. No. In reality, everything written here is an image. Sweat, bread, earth, dust. It's all imagery. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. God is saying that life, that is to eat bread, is going to be difficult. Sweat is a symbol for hard labor, for working, for suffering and pain. To return to the earth, well, that's to die. So for as long as you live, until you die, your life is going to be characterized by struggle. It's going to be difficult for you. You're going to labor, you're going to work and suffer. That's the story of every human. You all know it well. Then you have Joseph who enters onto the stage as the character in the biblical accounts which probably most clearly and most vividly portrays the coming Christ. His father's beloved and favored son, the chosen one, honored and glorified by his father, sent to his brothers, to his own, who betray him and sell him. He was tested and unjustly condemned, tormented, but suffered faithfully. And for it, he was restored to glory and granted to sit on a throne. And as king, what does he do? He gives bread to starving nations. They come to him for bread that they might live and not die, and the world is saved through him. This story about Joseph and Israel is just wonderfully written. It's a great piece of literature. It's truly captivating. And it's a true historical account of what really happened. But it's also symbolic. And if you don't see in this story the true story and much more glorious story of Jesus and his church, then in reality, it doesn't hold anything of value for you. Jesus offers true, non-perishing life, life full of vigor and strength, life full of meaning and purpose, a healthy, a victorious life. What's more than that, Jesus shows you that it's within his power to create such a life. And more than that, he shows you that he wants to give it freely. And give it freely to those who need it the most. How tragic it would be if you looked at that marvelous Jesus and wanted him to give you the kind of bread that crumbles and grows moldy. What a catastrophe. And that's the essence of sin. The Lord raises his voice and testifies against man that he has acted wickedly, that he has rejected God, the creator of heaven and earth, the great giver, and abandoned him for that which is here today and gone tomorrow. Why? Why would you do such a thing? Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures even to eternal life. If you look at this earthly life as something that ends in death and nothing more, then it's easy to look at bread and not see its truer sense. 
To look at it as something very common, something ordinary, something that you can even throw away. But if life itself is also an image of something bigger, of something better, grander, more glorious, if life itself is an image of a truer future life, then it's easier to see in the bread a picture of true bread that gives true life and it's easier to hunger and desire that true bread and labor for the kind of food that doesn't spoil, the kind that endures even until eternal life. Now many times Jesus says here the words from heaven and they speak of bread from heaven. When God gave manna to his people in the wilderness, it was a sign that this bread, this food, this life that you have, it's a gift. It comes to you from above each and every morning. It comes from heaven, and heaven is God's territory, not man's. People don't really belong in the sky. It's foreign territory to them. The earth is the sphere of man's dominion. But rain, wind, clouds, the sun, the stars above, these are all from God. These things belong to Him alone. They remain to this day untamed by men who have tamed so much of the natural world. And if this bread fell from heaven, then that means that for sure it wasn't Moses that gave it to them. It was from God himself. God who gives life. And he gives every person food for life. It comes from him. There is no life apart from God. If Jesus witnesses and testifies about himself that he is the true bread from heaven, this means that he is from God, that he's God's man, the God-man, that he's divine, that he and the Father are one, this is something that they just wouldn't accept. It was all way too much. Jesus spoke like no one ever spoke to them. He did things in their presence that no man had ever done, that no man has ever done. He lived a life no man has ever lived. But man will not accept that this Jesus is God and Lord. Won't come to him to find life. This only happens when God the Father works miraculously in the hearts of men. Well, okay, but um, if Jesus is this bread then, and if it's true... What he says, that unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Well then, what does it mean to eat this bread? Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So there's a coming And there's a believing that's equated with this eating and drinking. Look at the text. It's all right there. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. The coming alleviates the hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. 
It's the believing that alleviates the thirst. Some of you have come here tonight thirsty. So, so thirsty. You've drunken from every bottle that the world has to offer. And it's only let your thirst grow stronger. Don't leave here tonight thirsty. There's no reason for it. He has living water for you. Jesus equates eating and drinking to faith. And this faith, it's like, well, to return to Sunday's metaphor, it's the kind of faith that a wife has for her husband. Her faith in him is not the kind of faith that says, yeah, my husband exists. Right? That's, that's just absurd. Nobody says that. It's ridiculous. It's the kind of faith that believes her husband is the man he represents himself to be. When he says to her that he loves her, when he says to her he's going to care for her for the rest of his life, she believes it. She believes in him. She believes that he truly does love her. She believes that he's going to take care of her, that he's going to provide for her, that he cherishes her. She has faith. Faith that love is the foundation, that love is the force pushing all of his actions toward her. And so she ceases to worry, to fret. She calmly rests in his care and strong embrace. She trusts her husband and knows that his faith, he's faithful to be there for her, that her needs are going to be met. She doesn't go looking for love in other men. She doesn't go searching for things or other people to make her happy, to fulfill her. She doesn't go searching for peace or rest or satisfaction in some other men. She comes to her husband. She attaches herself to him. She cleaves to him and abides with him. She comes to him and remains with him forever. For this life, she endures with him through life. She respects him. She knows his voice and is happily obedient to his leading for she knows that he has laid down his life for her. That when he promised to love her, he forsake all others. And you can sum that all up by saying that she believes in him. It's a great mystery, but I speak of Christ and the church. And that kind of believing is the labor that you engage in in order to get the food that endures into eternal life. Jesus says, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. And then he clarifies that amazing statement by saying, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. This believing, it's not passive. It's not stoic, it's active, it's aggressive, it's emotional, it's work, it's a labor of love, it takes charge, it gets up off the couch. This is the work of God, that you believe in Him whom He sent. The bread that Jesus gives is His body and His flesh. And He also adds blood as well. So when, what you get when you talk about body and flesh and blood is death. In other words, he'll give himself up as a sacrifice for people. He'll freely give himself over to be killed. And to eat this true bread, that's 
The living bread that, that gives, that, that sustains and provides real, true, joyful, everlasting life is to eat the body and blood of Jesus. And that means to come and bow down. To come and fall at the feet of Christ. To believe that He is who He claims to be. To come and to believe. To come and to believe. To hope in Him. To cast yourself upon Him. Count His righteous life as your only hope before an almighty God. It means to live as if you truly believe that He is mighty to save you. That He forgives your sins. That He heals your infirmities. That He truly loves you. That He did absolutely everything so that you would have peace with God. And even, and even become His child. Beloved and glorious. There's no need to look for comfort. There's no need to look for security or affection in any other. There is no other name but the name of Jesus that can satisfy your every longing. Here he is, the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace, the Promised One. He offers himself to the world. He humbled himself, he lowered himself, became a servant. Rich or poor, young or old, strong or weak, black or white, it doesn't make a bit of difference. He offers himself to you. Take, eat, be satisfied. Surely if someone eats the bread in this way, he will live forever. But to labor for, that is to trust in earthly bread, whether it's the crumbly, gluten-filled kind, or it's the money, or fame, or influence, or reputation, and not come to the living bread, and not taste it to see that it is good, and sweet, and satisfying, then what will happen? It's written, your fathers ate manna and died. Their hope was only in God doing something for them today. They wanted bread and meat and not forgiveness and righteousness. They wanted to be liberated from the slavery of Egypt and not the slavery of sin, which was their truer slave master, far truer and far more oppressive than any slavery Pharaoh could put them in. Sin binds with tighter shackles than can be found anywhere in this world, in any deep, dark, damp dungeon. Well, how about you? What do you want from God? Why are you here looking for Him tonight? Because you've really seen a glimpse of Him? And you're mesmerized? And you want more? Or maybe because you want some treat, something nice for this temporary fleeting life that's here today and tomorrow it's gone. Some religious junk food that tastes good now but has nothing of true spiritual nourishment. Some worldly comfort, a bigger TV and a new leather couch. Some superficial pick-me-up. You can have all of that, friends, and still go hungry. Israel ate that food. That magical manna 
that supernatural bread from heaven and they died do you understand how scary that is to understand how scary that is you have to understand that death is also an image of a truer darker death it's truly terrifying because just as this earthly life is an image of the higher, more glorious, true life that is to come, so is that death, which scares people so much. It just shakes them to the core and it steals their peace. That death, which you all know about and is coming for everyone, is also merely a shadow of that outer darkness, that complete and utter death, it's just an image or a sign of that unbearable, unending, truly terrifying death, which is described in the scriptures with two frightening words, unquenchable fire. And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Jesus says, without me, the true living bread from heaven, you're going to die. You're going to die a true death. All the bread in the entire world is unable to give you true life or to sustain true life. I give life, he says. I am the hope of the world, the true life giver, life sustainer. Without me, you are hopeless. But to the one who comes to Jesus, he will never go hungry. And to the one who believes, he will never be thirsty. On the new earth, children of the king probably aren't even ever going to eat or drink. These old images are going to pass away. It's even written that there will be no uh, more need, there, there'll be no more night there. That there's not going to be a need for a lamp or the light of the sun because the Lord God himself will be their light. And that they're going to reign forever and ever. But it's, it's really not so important whether you're going to eat or drink in the kingdom of God on the new earth. What's important is that you're not going to desire more from life. You desire more from life now. It's a never-ending, ever-thirsty dissatisfaction Striving for more, for better, for bigger, for another chance, for a new day. You're not going to have to do that in the new kingdom. There the Lord Jesus will reign. And those who love him will delight themselves and be satisfied beyond measure in him. So don't labor for the food that perishes. Don't labor for the food that perishes. Don't labor for the food that perishes. But for the food that endures to eternal life. Jesus is that food. And you work for it by coming and believing. By casting yourself upon him and he will give you life and satisfy your soul's hunger. Do you hear the promises of God? 
Each word is truer than the mighty mountains, surer than the shining sun. He speaks plainly to you. Whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Whoever comes to me will not hunger. Whoever believes in me will never thirst. If you have found mercy, if you have found grace in the eyes of God, if you are doing the work of coming and believing, not if you did the work once, not if you came once and prayed the prayer once, but if you are doing the work, if today you are coming to Him, if today you are believing, then He looks on you and He sees not your dirty, evil deeds, but sees the clean and pure righteousness of Jesus. And He approves of your faith. So be happy. Rejoice. Be merry. Be glad. Be satisfied. Be delighted. May your life, even though there be suffering, may it be full of gladness. For you have crossed over from death to life. You have a precious promise. A loving Lord. A brave Savior. The one and only true hero of heaven. The lover of your soul. He is yours and you are his. Who can be against you? What can crush you? You are more than a conqueror through him. Go and be imitators of your Jesus. Be like him. Be life givers. Pass along that bread of life that he has given to you. You won't be the poorer for giving away the divine bread. For when you pass it along, it multiplies. Be givers of life. Messengers of light. Children of your Father in heaven. Go. Go and do as it is written. Eat your bread with joy. And drink your wine with a merry heart. Amen. Amen. Lord, you Jesus, thank you. Have mercy on us. You are, you are a mighty hero. Beautiful to behold. Lord, open our eyes. Open our eyes to see you, to see you as beautiful and desirous. And you come and be our treasure. Our soul's delight. Help us to come and believe. Let us come to you and believe and be satisfied. Lord, have mercy on us. Amen.